I was in a super dark place, and I hated everything and everyone for quite some time. That's Joey Cape, singer of Lagwagon, talking about his mindset writing the record that turned a quarter century on August 12th. This is episode two of A Quarter Century, and we're talking about Double Platinum by Lagwagon. Would it make you feel much better if it was you against the world? If you were an alien, if it were conspiracy, would it hurt to live in comfort if you found someone to trust? You will isolate, alienate No one can appreciate the poor misunderstood Can you see that I don't care Double Platinum was released August 12th of 1997. First off, that was the opening track of this record that you just heard. That has also been the opening song of Lagwagon sets for many years now. I love it. It's great. They really draw out that pause before the rest of the band jumps in, which is perfect for building that tension. Uh, As you'd imagine at a punk show, you get lots of circle pits, and that's a fantastic way to build into that type of thing. If you're into that, which I'm not because I'm old. This record's only 31 minutes long. It feels to me like a concept album. Like that quote I mentioned at the beginning, he's angry, he's sad, he's resentful. You can hear all of this stuff as you listen to this record. Literally every single song has that as a theme. And it feels like a concept record. Like the concept is that he's pissed and has a broken heart and is just not happy. You could also say, well, yeah, dude, that's a lot of records, writing songs about girls. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But this one almost doesn't even take a breath. It's that start to finish. One of the things about Lagwagon is, especially last episode, we talked about Blink-182, which is the least serious band you'd ever find in the world. Lagwagon, oddly enough, if you've seen them live or you see interviews and that type of thing, have a great sense of humor. Funny guys don't take themselves too seriously. But their songs and their albums do. It's honest, lyrical content. It's real type of uh, subject matter that they're writing about. And their songs and albums have kind of always been that way. I guess if you carve out all of the the album art, which always has kind of a funny twist to it, um, or the album names for that matter. I've always found it funny for this record in particular 
given the subject matter and how dark it is that where they decided to go with the cover art was let's make a pun on double platinum and just make the record cover plaid. They could have done so many things with it. It's funny that that's what they decided to do. So the record as a whole is a really nice, complete album front to back. As I was listening to this, I was reminded of what it's like to listen to a CD from start to finish and to piece that together. Because that doesn't really exist anymore with digital music consumed the way that it is. You don't get that unless you listen to an album literally start to finish uh, on a record player or a CD. Even if you listen to it digitally start to finish, you don't get it the way that it was designed to be on that initial record. And this is a perfect example of that. A kid who's listened to Double Platinum only digitally has had a completely different experience with this record than I have. And, and what I mean by that is every single song on this album, when it finishes, the first thing that my brain goes to is how the next song starts. And in some cases, some of those flow directly together. There's this very specific sequencing and transitioning from song to song where the songs flow together. In some cases, for example, there's a song called uh, One Thing to Live. And the intro to that song was actually at the end of the song before it, which is Unfurnished. And so when you listen to Unfurnished on the CD, the last like 45 seconds or whatever would be the intro to One Thing to Live. And then the song One Thing to Live would start. So if you listen to the CD and you skip to One Thing to Live, you didn't hear the intro. Now, if you listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music, whichever one of you sponsors me, I won't name the other one ever again, you don't hear or you do get the intro on One Thing to Live. So that's just an interesting thing that has kind of gone away with the transition to digital music. Here's One Thing to Live with the intro.
So another interesting thing you get with the old physical releases are hidden songs. Those don't happen anymore on digital either. I, I suppose maybe there's some. I haven't heard them because I don't know why you would put a 13-minute digital song out there uh, that somebody's just going to let run for you know the 10 minutes afterwards. But on CDs, they totally did it. And this album had one. They had Goodbye, which is now just a standalone track if you listen to it digitally. That was hidden at the end of the last song. If you're not of that generation and you don't know what I'm talking about, when a song, when the last song would be done, it would just keep going. In some cases, you would have feedback. In some cases, you might have just silence. And the way that you would know it was going to keep going is the CD wouldn't stop and the track time would just keep counting. In this case, you get like you get the sound of the amp that just kind of keeps buzzing and that goes on for a bit and then you get to goodbye which was the hidden song so here's goodbye <laughs>
So I love those kinds of things. I really miss that about albums now. Albums actually don't even exist anymore, really. It's very rare that a band puts out an album and you listen to it start to finish and you hear it the way that that it was intended to be heard. And I think you could even say now that they don't even create them with the intention of being listened to all the way through. It's a bunch of tracks that are put together. They know they're going to get listened to individually, and that's the way it is. But I miss records like this, particularly in, in punk rock. Bands did this type of thing all the time. The other thing they did that I really miss was movie clips in songs. It's obvious why you can't do that anymore. Hi, Mom. What do you think? my shoes aren't they great my god you look like a gangster but i i really enjoyed the little things that bands would put at the beginning of songs and then watching a movie one day and realizing that that thing that you've heard a million times over at the beginning of a song was from that movie that you were watching um that stuff was awesome and it just doesn't really happen anymore so those kinds of things are cool you get that in this record So one of the things I want to try out is a couple different categories. I've put these together. I might do these for every single record just because it bronzes the conversation a little bit. I want to rank this record. So I'm going to give you kind of my top five Lagwagon records and where this one fits in. There's no right or wrong here. I'm not saying that I'm right. This is just kind of what I think. And a lot of it's influenced too by the order that I listened to these records um, and was exposed to them, honestly. My favorite Lagwagon record is Trashed for a number of different reasons, but that's just, there's so many good songs on it still. And I've kind of always been partial to the metal thrashy side of Lagwagon, which you hear more in those early records. They will talk a little bit more about why this one doesn't have that as much, but the earlier ones do for sure. I think Double Platinum is number two for me, especially after listening to it so much preparing for this. It's just so good. It's got some great songs. It's got some catchy songs. It sounds different than their other stuff, but not in a bad way. A lot of times bands will go in a completely different direction and people don't like it anymore. That's not the case here. Three, I think I would have Duh, which is their first record. That one I really like, even though it kind of sounds terrible. Um, just because it was one of the earliest bands that I got into in, in punk. There was Blink-182, as we talked about last time. The other one was Propagandi. And then Lagwagon was the third one. And so that record, while it's it's probably not really one of their best, I, I hold it in high regard just because it's important to me. Probably what's really there in their top three is Let's Talk About Feelings. That's what I would put four, but it it probably deserves to be higher. It's so good. And it sounds amazing, which it's hard with punk bands because if you hold the sound quality of the record against them, yeah, all the old stuff is going to sound terrible. Uh, So sometimes you have to let that slide. And the cool thing with a lot of these bands, particularly on, on fat records is they remastered a lot of this stuff. So some of those records that you loved 25 years ago, they've actually gone back and remastered them and, and they, kind of gives them a whole new life. So that's kind of fun. And then fifth, I have Haas, which feels crazy to put that five, but I guess that speaks to the quality of the Lagwagon catalog because that record is amazing by itself, but it just barely squeaks in the top five for me. So going back to Double Platinum, this was the first record that they did without 
their drummer Derek Plord and their guitarist Sean Dewey. Both of those guys left the band right before this record. They were replaced by Dave Ron on drums and Ken Stringfellow on guitar. Ken Stringfellow is fascinating to me because I have zero clue how he ended up in this band. It doesn't make any sense at all. It's kind of amazing. He was in this band called The Posies, which was a like power pop kind of, I wouldn't call them grunge, but they're, they were from the uh, Pacific Northwest, so from Seattle and Washington area. And he didn't play in bands like this. And so it's, it's funny that, that he got involved with them. And I think you can really hear it that this record has some songs that aren't typically punk, you know, it doesn't have that really fast beat. The guitar tone, I have to imagine was highly influenced by him that the tone in this record's crazy. It's so heavy. And that has always struck me even from the first time I listened to it was like, oh my God, there's so much distortion on this. As you're in this search for something today, I can feel you rally around someone with your peers. But can you stand alone? Can you take the long way home? Something in the circle hundred times before, and I feel safer in the eye of the storm. You can throw your stones, I'm only playing for you for one day. Stringfellow definitely played a part in that. Um, his whole story, you know, before he was in Lagwagon, he was recruited to play in uh, a revival of Big Star, which is like, I don't know, arguably one of the biggest power pop bands ever. Um, but that was like, and that was in the early 90s. And then after, you know, within a year or so of making this record with Lagwagon, he somehow caught on with REM and was in there backing band for years and went on world tours with them for 
years and years after that and wrote with them on huge records. So I, I don't know how that all happened. Like I said, it's it's crazy, but it's kind of funny that he played such a big role in this just one kind of record. He came in, did this with them, and then he was out. So we got another category that I want to do here. With a lot of these bands, I was in prime concert attending part of my life. And so what we're going to do for a lot of these is play Did Zach See Them Live? Um, some of these I saw right around the time that the record came out. Uh, some of them I may have seen shortly after, and we may come across some that I didn't see at all around that time. But to start it off, did Zach see Lagwagon Live around the time this record came out? I sure did. September 23rd, 1997. And this lineup was amazing. Lagwagon was the headliner. No Use for a Name was also on that show. This band called Limp, not Limp Biscuit, just Limp, which I actually love. They're great. They had a record pop and disorderly that's really good. It's worth checking out. And then the opener on this tour was a band called The Ataris, which that was the first time I ever heard of them. I was hooked from seeing them at that show, and we all know they went on to do fairly well for themselves. The interesting thing about all of that was the drummer from Lagwagon, Derek Plord, he actually joined the Ataris. So I don't 100% know for sure, but I, I think he was their drummer on this tour. And I know that he wrote the record anywhere but here with the Ataris. That was the only thing he really did with them. But I mean, that's, that's fascinating because I know that him leaving was a really big deal at the time. He actually passed away in 2005, which if you read interviews and uh, see the band talk about it, hit them all really hard. They actually have a record called Resolve. It came out in 2005, and that's inspired by and dedicated to Derek Plord. So give that a listen and, and have that in mind when you listen to that record. So I'm going to leave you with another Joey Cape quote. Again, I, this record has such a dark feel to it because you can tell he was in a place and he was dealing with some stuff. And he has been very open about that. Uh, he said, I get inspired by things that make me cringe or put a hole in my body. I've always written from that really dark place. And he sure as hell did on this record. And I think he, you know, he pulled it off. It's, it's a different record. Like I said, that usually turns people off. But most people I know that like Lagwagon love this record. And I do too. I think it's a testimony to its honesty. Uh, it's real, and you can really feel that. So that's going to do it for this episode. If you like what I'm doing here, rate and review. I guess that's worth something. I don't know what. Or just just follow me on Instagram and yell at me for not recording enough of these, and, and I'll try and do them more. But I'm trying to do them on the birthdays of the record, so you can't change that. But I'll have a new episode out soon. It will be here before you can decide whether you have a use for a name or not. Happy 25th birthday, Double Five. The TV's broke, the treats are soaked, the drink is empty, and now he is everything she ate. The Wednesday, it's all the same, it's all the same, because he's drowning.